There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Bucks re-signed Shaquille Barrett to a four-year, $72 million deal, $34.5 million guaranteed just before noon Monday when he could have begun to talk to other teams. Then after saying he wanted to dip his toes in the free agency, well, Rob Gronkowski decided it was too cold out there. He signed a one-year, $8 million contract to come back to the Bucs. It could be worth as much as $10 million. And the Lightning lose to the Predators 4-1. to We'll talk about that game. We've got that and your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, and I hate to start this off on a sad note, but we need your prayers. Um, Keyshawn Johnson, you see him on ESPN uh, he's got the morning show now uh, on the big station uh, in Bristol. And, of course, the former Jets and Bucks uh, wide receiver. Um, they suffered a tragedy in his family. Um, his his oldest child, his daughter, uh, Maya, uh, passed away. She was only 25 years old. Um, no cause of death has been given. He had a statement, uh, I guess, on Monday night, um, you know, explaining uh, that they had suffered this loss, him and his ex-wife, uh, Shakuri, um, and... It's it's unthinkable for any of us who have children, or for any of us in general. But um, but I would just say keep him in your prayers. And I, I had a pretty close relationship with Keyshawn when he was here. I know everybody thinks about him, you know, the throw me the damn ball and how things ended in Tampa and all of that. Uh, believe me, this guy is an exceptional um, was an exceptional player and and uh, and a good family man and and you know. Uh, a good father and has really done a lot in his life, uh, even post-career, as you know, in broadcasting and other things. He works very, very hard and has uh, really, uh, really had a nice life uh, for himself and his children. So this is this is obviously a, a terrible thing. So uh, keep keep him in mind and, and uh, Keyshawn's family uh, in your prayers, if you could. All right, let's talk about uh, free agency. Look, um, everybody wondered how they were going to pull this off. And I think we're all you know, if you didn't, and I'm not going to get in the weeds with this, but if you didn't understand the salary cap, you're probably getting a pretty good education. It, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day how much money they say you have under the salary cap. You can, can re- always create space for it, right? And they and the Bucks have not traditionally done this. I think a lot of teams are doing it this year because it's it's only 182 and a half million, which is considerably less than normal because of the pandemic, no fans, all of that. Um, and you know what what the bucks are doing is they're they're basically borrowing from future years you know they're signing guys um to in the case of Levante David a two year contract for 50 million dollars and then adding uh what amounts to you know three voidable years uh that he'll never play but they can spread out that signing bonus to lower his cap value for 2021 and this is the way in addition to restructuring Tom Brady's deal which we've talked about uh, they have created space and they took this one right up until almost the noon deadline. Uh, Mike Greenberg uh, worked all through the night, uh, you know, in the wee hours of Monday morning, uh, right up until just before noon when they completed uh, the deal for Shaquille Barrett. 
And that was really the biggest piece, right, of those three. I mean, they, they elected, their strategy was to franchise, uh, you know, their wide receiver, Chris Godwin, who's only 25 years old. Had he gotten into free agency, somebody would have thrown a lot of money at him, um, certainly on a long-term deal. And, you know, they, they got him for a franchise tag at about $16 million for one year. Then there'll be more money in the system a year from now, and that's the thinking there, uh, wanting to keep – um, that wide receiver. And then, you know, Levante David came in on a very team-friendly deal, $3.5 million cap figure, um, gave them lots of cap room. They get him back. And, and, and then that was all setting up to try to keep Shaquille Barrett, who probably could have broken the bank, to be honest with you, had he got out in the free agency world. Um, some teams that are flush with cap money, whether it's Jacksonville or uh, even the Patriots had a lot of money. Um, so did uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Somebody could have blown uh, Shaquille Barrett away. And to be honest, he left some money on the table because when you really look at his contract, um, it, it essentially is a, a, a two-year deal with guarantees. You just take the guarantees and divide that by two and make about $34.5 million, about $17 million a year that could become $18 million based on some escalators. But um, not much guaranteed money or any guaranteed money after the first couple of years. So they can walk away. You know, Shaquille Barrett will be, uh, I think, 29 years old in November. Um, But certainly if he plays well, he he could have the third or fourth year of this contract. And so, you know, it's interesting the way this has all gone. And then Rob Gronkowski, who I just mentioned, you know, he he was on um, some website. I can't remember. The Ringer, I think it was. uh, And you know, he, he was being interviewed about free agency. He said, well, I've never been a free agent. You know, I signed like an eight-year deal when I was 22 years old, unheard of at the time. And, uh, you know, I was traded to the Bucks, And so this was my first real chance. And, you know, I, I might, I, I, I want to go back to Tampa Bay, but, you know, I might dip my toes in a free agency. Well, about a couple hours later, after I posted that uh, from the ringer, um, he was uh, putting his toes back in the sand in Tampa Bay. Uh, and he's uh, going to stay with Tom Brady, of course, and the Bucks um, for eight million dollars, one year, eight million dollars could be as much as ten million, depending on um, various incentives and things like that. And and his cap number was lowered because they have again a bunch of voidable years on the back end of that deal. But it truly is just a one year contract. And Gronkowski says at this stage of his life and of his career, he just wants to go year to year and be a free agent every year, which also means he wants to see how long Tom Brady's going to play. So, I mean, that's <laughs> ding, ding, come, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to, you know, and then that's the other thing you go, well, Hey, didn't Tom sign uh, another year? Is he going to be here through 2022? Mm, not necessarily. He did sign, but the way it's structured is that if he doesn't play in, in 2022, um, 15 million of that signing bonus, uh, isn't paid out until then. So, uh, he can walk away. The Bucks can walk away. There'll still be salary cap ramifications uh, and all of that for lowering his cap to nineteen to nineteen by nineteen million dollars. Um, but uh, you know, I think Tom Brady. It's safe to say is year to year too, despite his uh, you know his pervasive uh, uh, you know sort of desire to to play until he's forty five, and uh, he he has the opportunity to do that if he wants to. But I think. You know, we'll see. I mean, this is these are a lot of old players, Stephen. These are not, you know, it's hard to repeat. We always talk about that. Nothing's ever the same. Every year's different. Injuries are a big problem. We've got Brady had knee surgery in the offseason. We know that. And yet 
Maybe he'll be, you know, in his second year, he'll be more familiar with the players. But Gronkowski is a year older, and he wasn't getting any faster by the end of the season. He did play every game. I mean, it was remarkable, you know, to see him get through, you know, what, 20, 24 games or so. Um, uh, and then, well, without preseason, it wasn't that many. But, but, but like this 20, year he'll have a full games. off season knowing he's coming back instead of, you know, retiring right. from retiring. There you go. Uh, so, may, so maybe he won't fake as many workouts like he did during the exactly, era. But, exactly. Uh, or he just changed his shirts during the workouts. Um, and then, you know, I mean, Shaq Barrett uh, had a decline last year. I mean, nobody expected him to have 19 and a half sacks, but he only had eight during the regular season. He turned it on into postseason against some lesser offensive tackles against the Packers. And then Vita Vea came back, and that certainly helped him and JPP. But he was terrific against the Kansas City Chiefs, who again – had offensive line issues, so um, you don't know. And, and uh, you know, so so every year is different. Um, they are keeping the band back together, but it's sort of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> you know? Well, look, not, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the Lightning. I mean, Mick Jagger pl- keep, keeps playing, right? We always talk about the Lightning's window and how it's been open for many years because all those guys back in 15 when they made the cup final were young. And they've right. all kind of grown up together. This That's Bucks right. team is the opposite. Is they're in their window now, and it, the window's they're not going to last that together. long. Yeah, it's not right. going to last that long with this court. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know they're they're going for you know much like they were all in this past season. They're all in they're this all season in again. Yeah, and you know as long as they've got Tom Brady, they're going to go all in. And the guys mm-hmm. that were productive last year, Levante David, Gronkowski, while he wasn't getting any faster, he was still very productive and, and yeah, a huge was. part of that offense. And Shaq Barrett, you know, I mean, they're trying to keep as much of it together as they can because they've got a legit shot to win it again this year. And they're all in. And You know, three years from now, don't worry about it right now. It, you know, when you're in a window that you have a chance to win, you have to go for it. Yeah, and I get it. You know, 69, soon to be 69-year-old head coach, 44-year-old uh, quarterback. Um, we always say this. They're not buying green bananas. And, and, and that's why you play the game, right? You play to put those trophies mm-hmm. Uh, in the case, they've got two. Only nine organizations have more than one Super Bowl, uh, one more, one more than one Lombardi Trophy, and they happen to be one of those organizations. So um, they'd like to add three, and then maybe four, or what have you. Um, but that window is there. And I'm listen. After what I saw last year, I would never doubt Tom Brady. And and I think that they did have something special. And I think, you know, the one thing you would take from this is p- players truly are taking a little bit less to stay here. Which and even Shaq Barrett said it was a, it's a special organization. It's been it was a special feeling. It is true that you know when you win the first time together, there is nothing like it. I mean, whether that was Tony Dungy, you know, back in in in, in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, uh, you know, in ninety nine, taking his team to the NFC Championship. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but that experience of ninety seven getting to the playoffs, ninety nine getting to the championship game. That was the first time that group had really won and won big and gone deep in the playoffs. There's nothing like that. And, of course, they won the Super Bowl in 02. And the same is true with this group last year. I mean, uh, the first time, I mean, the guys have been here, you know, Lamonte David, nine years, and Mike Evans, seven years, and so on and so forth. And they had not even been to a playoff game. And then they go and they win four in the postseason, including the Super Bowl. And it was at home in the pandemic. So, I mean, it was a magical – it really was, and the word's been used, it was a magical season. And then the boat parade, you know, how much fun was that? Nobody saw that coming. They threw that together in about 24 hours, and they had 
just a hell of a time and, and, you know, Brady tossing the Lombardi. So when you go through that with, with uh, teammates, um, you want to feel that again. And they are the champions until somebody knocks them off. And I'll tell you what, you can look around the NFL, and I think there's some good teams in the NFC. They're going to be the favorites hand down, hands down. Um, there, there's no one in the NFC uh, South that's going to be favored to beat them, although we'll talk about Jameis Winston and the Saints in a minute. Um, Carolina's still rebuilding. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They seem to want to move on from Bridgewater. Atlanta has a whole new head coaching staff, and they're in transition. Um, you don't discount any of them because they all are familiar with each other. You lose games in the division sometimes, no matter what. But um, And then you, you go to the NFC at large, you say, well, the Rams. The Rams are the one jump. I would think that has a shot. Yeah, yeah that, that, I think to, so. To be considered the favorite. And, it's you know, yeah. they had a really good team the last few seasons, uh-huh. and now they had Matthew Stafford. They got you there know, you they go. upgraded the quarterback position significantly. Much like the Bucks did. I mean, I think, you know, I think he's he's maybe not as big an upgrade uh over golf than than Brady was over Winston in some respects. But mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford can can absolutely uh can absolutely rip it, you know, and, and he's uh got lots of talent around him and a great defense, much like much like uh, Tom Brady did. And, you know, Seattle, we don't even know if Russell Wilson's going to be there. San Francisco is trying to get back on the on the right track. If Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be their quarterback going forward, that division is really tough. Um, you figure the Green Bay Packers will be good because mm-hmm. they've won 13 games each of the last two years, and there's no reason to think Aaron Rodgers won't be better and they won't add some players to help him. So, you know, they, they should be the, the kings of that division. They don't play anybody. They got Detroit twice. They got Chicago twice. We'll see if the Bears are able to get a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson there. I doubt it. Um, and then, you know, in the NFC East, I mean, it's a, you know, it's Dallas and everybody else. Um, you know, last year Washington won that thing. They're still trying to figure out who their quarterback's going to be. I saw where Mitch Trubisky might be a guy that interests Ron Rivera. Maybe maybe even um, uh, maybe even uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you can imagine that, in, in the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. So, um, they got some interesting prospects there, but Rivera's a hell of a coach. He got his team to win the division last year, albeit with a losing record. But there's not there's not those you know those strong strong teams that we've seen in the past in the NFC in more than one division and specifically in the South. And so I think the Bucks will be favored almost against anybody they play on their schedule, uh, and they play the AFC East, um, you know, which means they have a trip to Gillette Stadium. Yeah. And Buffalo's good. Buffalo's good. Buffalo's very good. Yeah, and that game's here. Yes. Um, so that might be some advantage. But I, I would agree with you. Buffalo and Miami, frankly. Miami's a good mm-hmm. football team. They are. We don't know what Tua's situation will be. You know, will they trade for Deshaun Watson? I mean, we, you know, they got a young quarterback that hasn't played a lot, but their defense is really, really good. They have a great head coach. Um, so they're going to be very tough. They'll be a tough out as well. So, you know, you just don't – you can't just hand the Lombardi and say, well, you know um, – they're the champs. No, it's a, it's a new year, and I think the Lightning are experiencing this. You know, I saw they have a commercial on the air that talks about how, you know, that was last year's team, and, you know, mm-hmm. this we haven't done anything and so on. And that's really the way you got to approach it. But in as much as they have found a way uh, in a very difficult uh, salary cap situation this year to keep the core of those players, especially on defense, and this is what Brady – I think the brilliance of Brady is, and of course he's 21 years down the road, right? He's made money. He's been the highest paid quarterback before. This is the sixth time that he's renegotiated his contract to create cap space. He did it five times in New England, okay? And and people bring up his wife, Giselle, and I get all that. Like he's in a different place financially than, say, Dak Prescott. However, um, 
he has always been willing and understood that it's not just the weapons around him, of which he has many, right, whether it's Gronk or, uh, you know, Godwin or Mike Evans or those guys. But he understands, too, somebody's got to get the ball back to him, (laughs) that the defense is very important as well. And to be honest with you, that defense won the Super Bowl. You know, they, they, Mm -hmm. I thought, were more spectacular, created field position, um, got after Patrick Mahomes, didn't allow the Chiefs to do anything, didn't score a touchdown, for goodness sakes. So, you know, they, they were the stars of the postseason, in my opinion. Um, and and Brady realizes that. You know, Brady knows that it's, you know, he, he needs help and he can get you there. And, and you know, uh, he, he certainly has, has been there almost every year of his career. But um, I think his recognition, and, and I think it's spread throughout the team during this offseason. I think they see him not asking for more than $25 million. They see him adding voidable years and – or structuring it in a way to create cap space. And then if you're Shaq Barrett, if you're Levante David, you know, and those guys have all talked about it, it's a domino effect. They're all like, yeah, I'm back too. Yeah, I'm all in too. Um, and, you know, it's tough to walk away from a couple million dollars. It's easier for us to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shaq Barrett, you know, played for $4 million two years ago. Um, and, you know, so you couldn't have blamed him for going somewhere else. But I just think that the Brady – the Brady situation for a quarterback in the NFL, because what usually happens is quarterback gets really good, quarterback gets paid a lot of money, look at Seattle, and all of a sudden the team can't afford free agents. They can't afford to keep some of their stars that they drafted, and they lose players. Uh, and, and, yeah, you got a franchise quarterback, but now that the cast around him isn't very good. Um, and that happens time and time and time again, and, and, and it's not going to happen here. Well, you see survey after survey at workplaces. Money is not the the thing that keeps people in jobs mostly. It's the work environment. It's your coworkers. It's do you enjoy work? And, and the one thing that you got out of this Bucks team is that from this season is that they enjoyed each other. They yeah. like each other. They mm-hmm. loved coming to work. They loved playing under Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles mm-hmm. and Byron Leftwich. And you know, I, I think we you know, we've seen some of the, the freedom that Tom Brady had compared to what Bill Belichick allowed in New England. And and you saw that kind of percolate through this team and and even playoff Lenny. And, you know, and, and at one point he was, you know, sulking and possibly he was going to get cut. And, and they even offered to cut him if he wasn't happy. You know, they, they didn't want someone there that wasn't happy. And that that is imp- that is more important than money in most cases in, in jobs. It doesn't mean people won't go sign big contracts, but you know, do you want to go somewhere where you're not sure if you're going to be happy or somewhere you're going to be happy? And, and everybody has their number and their, you know, how much, how important it is to you. But we know that when people, if you enjoy work, the money isn't as important. And if they really enjoyed this team and and obviously they got the ultimate prize. So that helps too, that they did win it all. But I got to imagine that came into a lot of, you know, from Levante David's decision. I've been here a long time. Do I really want to go somewhere else for, couple million more maybe and and depending where you go the taxes it may not even be that much more you know mm-hmm. and, and the st- the lifestyle you have here in, in tampa bay which we both think is very great it's pretty good i don't yeah. i don't want to move anywhere else no um, you know so and it, like i said everybody you know it, you couldn't have blamed shaq barrett if he would have said hey i'm going out there and i want to get a bigger deal wouldn't have blamed him but if he's happy here and, and this and you know he's got now you know, he got the franchise tag money last year. Now he's got $34, 35000000 guaranteed for the next two seasons. So he's got his money to keep his family 
provided for for the rest of his life, and he wants to stay here, then great. And, and even better, and it shows you the kind of organization that and the team that they have here. Yeah, no, uh, well said, and I, I'm still, I'm still enraptured by your your comment about being happy in money, and and I must be really happy with what I do, because <laughs> because man, I have walked away well, from some money before. I know my next contract. I'm signing with lots of voidable years, and <laughs> just right. so I can say well, I, I have a big contract. Yeah, For, fortunately, all my years are voidable. Uh, in fact, tomorrow is voidable, it appears, um, in my business. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of free agents walking around like me, I can tell you that. So grateful to have this and uh, uh, and work at the Tampa Bay Times. Um, so what's next? Uh, you know, look, there's a bunch of free agents they're still going to sign. And it's, you know, they're going to go right down the list, right, whether it's um, – you know, in Domicon Sue, who I think they'll try to sign. I, I don't know about Sue. I don't know what would motivate him. I don't think there's a lot of money out there, quite frankly, for free agents. He's not in that first wave. Um, there could be a team that feels like they're, you know, a defensive tackle away, and certainly he can still play, but he's he's at that one-year, one-year, one-year type thing. Um, so perhaps he takes the same or less to stay. We'll see. I think that it's a no-brainer they're going to sign Ryan Suckup. Um, they cannot let this kicking uh, situation, uh, you know, reappear. Uh, he he made ninety one percent of his field goals. Kickers don't make so much money that you know even the highest paid kicker might make four or five million. So you're not you're certainly not going to walk away from a guy like that. And I would think you know that he likes the stability and and uh, the weather and all those things that that kickers are, are prone to to like. So I expect that to happen in the in the near future. Um, who else we got out what there? About, and, uh, uh, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette. The, the thing about playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny is that he's free agent Lenny. And I, I mean, if I were Leonard, Leonard Fournette, I'm two things I'm looking for. One, I want to be the starter. Okay, I, I want. And and what that what does that mean? Well, that means that if I go to some place, they're paying me like I'm the starter because money talks. Okay, in, in professional sports. Leonard Fournette was cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had an opportunity to go to a couple of places after that. Um, the Bucks uh, signed him for only $2 million, which was not much money. Um, but, but he came here with the understanding that, that he was going to compete and, and that this was a good football team, and Tom Brady was here. And he wanted to win, win a ring, and he wanted to put his career back on track. And to be honest with you, it didn't go all that well. Uh, you know, we, I've written about this, that you know the Minnesota game um, – you know they were tired of his attitude a little bit and uh, maybe a lot and they they had him as a healthy scratch he was inactive against the Vikings late in the season um and LaShawn McCoy played and played well and he was upset and so Arians brought him in you know after that game the next day and basically said look um you know I know you've been sulking around here you haven't gotten many touches and you know your role is is basically as the backup and you know, you have to accept that role. And if you can't accept that role, I'll, I'll cut you right now. You know, your role may change, but we think this is a special team. We think we're going to do special things. You have to decide if you're part of it or not, but you can't, you can't start every day this way. You know, woe is me. And, and uh, that was some of the things that got him in Jacksonville. And so he made the decision. You know, Bruce allowed him to decide, you know, what do you want to do? Are you going to accept your role or not? And he did. And then as fate would have it, his role did change because – you know, you had uh, Ronald Jones getting COVID, and then they go to the first postseason game, and Ronald Jones is going to start, and he, um, you know, pulls a muscle, and and you know, then that that gave birth to playoff Lenny, and playoff Lenny, you would you would want 
all the time. But are you going to get that guy all the time? And, you know, I think in any case, what Leonard Fournette knows is that if he comes back here, he's the number two running back. I mean, Ronald Jones is still going to be their starter, and he'll have to beat him out somehow, or Ronald would have to slip or what have you because they really, really like Ronald Jones. And so – um, and I don't know if there will be a market. If there's not a big market for him, he comes back maybe. But if there is one uh, someplace out there that will pay him $3, 4000000 million or, or better yet give him that opportunity to be the number one running back, I think he probably goes. And in that instance, you know, you could make a really good argument for what the Bucks need um, is not so much a Leonard Fournette because they got Ronald Jones. They've got Keyshawn Vaughn. What they need is a James White. You know, what they need is a free agent who can catch the ball, who's number one uh, ability is a third down back and and white caught a million balls uh, from Tom Brady and the Patriots and he's out there 29 years old probably get him for not much more than you paid Leonard Fournette um, this past year so I I don't know how that one's going to go I, I just in my mind I think that, that Lenny's going to look for something better and he should um, if he gets it I think he's gone and I think the Bucks will be okay with that what about Antonio Brown same thing. I mean, I think look, they have a they have a surplus of receivers. We know that, and they did last year too. And yet, they still um, were insistent, and it was a very controversial decision. And a lot of people didn't like it, but they took Antonio Brown after his eight game suspension, and that meant that Scotty Miller went to the bench, and people didn't like that, and for good reason. Um, and Antonio Brown did not get off to a great start. It took him a number of weeks, but you know what? When they went on that run late in the season. And they wound up winning eight in a row, but they went on that run, especially the last month. Antonio Brown was lights out. I mean, he was a deep threat. He was somebody that gave them quickness and could make people miss. He gave them something they didn't have, the playmaking ability. And so if a big market, if a market doesn't develop for him um, the same way with you know Leonard Fournette, I, I think that, that Brady certainly wants – uh, Antonio Brown back, and and I think I think he would want to come back. I think he'd welcome that chance. Uh, again, you know, he made a lot of money because of his production. You know, they made sure he got the forty five receptions or whatever his incentive uh, bonuses were tied to, and that goes a long way. You know, when when people are willing to do that for you, so you can get paid as you go, um, that's one way to structure deals that are fair to both sides. So uh, I don't think he's going to take up a ton of cap room. I don't think he's going to get. Eight ten million dollars, none of that. You never know. It only takes one one team. But there's a lot of receivers in the draft. A lot of receivers uh, went, you know, are signing deals in free agency now. I mean, I, I mean, there's you know, there's an abundance of them out there, really. So Antonio Brown very likely could come back here. But again, they will, and I think they would welcome him. I know, I know Tom would, and, and I think they'll find the cap room because I don't think those are huge deals to do. I think they're one year deals. Um, I think they're incentive-based, and I, I think that's what they'll do. What about backup quarterback? Both Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin are both free. <laughs> I, I don't know about Griff. I think Gabbert is their guy. I, I've heard <laughs> I've heard this twice now, and it still stuns me every time that um, you know if you ask who's going to succeed Brady, uh, you know, Jay, of course, the only go with the guys that are on the roster now. But Jason Light and others have said, "Oh, Blaine Gabbert. We think Blaine Gabbert can play." Um, we think that, you know, a couple more years in this system, he's got a strong arm. He keeps his body in incredible shape. Uh, the guy's, you know, built like a bodybuilder out there, but he, um, you know, he's been a career backup and he's won some games for Bruce Arians. That's why he's here. He bounced around a bit. He wasn't in the same system for about three or four years, but now he is. So I think they do Gabbert because again, 
Um, does Blaine Gabbert want to go somewhere where he has a better chance to play or compete? I don't know if there's a team that would see him that way. Um, it's musical chairs. There's a lot of quarterbacks. You got guys like Cam Newton getting three and a half million dollars. So what is Blaine Gabbert worth? Uh, and I and Cam may end up being the starter in New England at least initially, or have to win the job. So I think Gabbert comes back. I'm not sure about Griff. I'm really not. I think they may use that third spot for a younger quarterback. They may draft one, quite frankly, and it may be in the second round. I don't think it'll be at the end of the first, but you don't know. You know, they're looking at quarterbacks. They definitely would like to have a guy in here that can benefit from watching Brady. I don't know if mentoring is the right word, but um, certainly seeing, you know, how the greatest of all time goes about his business and and learning the offense and and things from him. So, um, I, I, you know, I I think that, that Gabbert will be that guy when the timing is right, they'll find a way. Steve, you were at the Tampa Bay Lightning's game. It was a businessman special started at 4 o'clock, which I love. But happy hour love hockey. The way to, happy hour hockey. There you go. And you better have gone to the bar at about 5 o'clock. That's when you needed to because they got behind quick. Uh, it was 3 to nothing before I looked up. And, uh, you know, they played better as the game wore on, I thought. Third period was pretty good. Um, but the Preds just, just got after him early. And, uh, you know, I thought – Pecorini was really good too. Pecorini was really good for the Nashville. That was their first win against the Lightning this year. Lightning were five and zero against Nashville. Five and zero. Pecorini was good. I thought the Lightning played okay. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they had some bad breaks, like the uh, the shorthanded goal. You know, uh, the pucks over Braden Point's head. He puts a stick up to knock it. Try to keep it in. It goes it goes right to uh, Arvidsson on a breakaway, shorthanded. He scores a goal. You know, had Braden Point let that go. It, it's not a breakaway. It just goes down the ice. Uh, they were on a power play at the time. Uh, you know, but that's just an instinct thing of trying to keep the puck in. It was just, you know, that's an unlucky bounce. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, Curtis McElhinney probably wanted the first goal back, went over his short, the short side shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably wanted that one back. Then they gave up a, 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 a power play goal as well. So I didn't think they played bad. Their rush coverage had some issues, and, and it's kind of been a recurring theme throughout this year some. Um, you know, some of it I think today was they were pushing trying to get goals back and so sometimes when you push you give up the, the odd rushes the other way but you know I, I thought they had a, a decent amount of scoring chances John Cooper was very complimentary after the game you know hey we you know we out, had more scoring chances we played our game we got some bad breaks and sometimes you lose uh, you know um, that was you know paraphrasing his comments after the game so um, this is a crazy week for the Lightning five games in seven days yeah, it's not good. It, 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 this whole COVID thing is not good for hockey. Um, that's not the way you you typically want to mm-hmm. want to have to be jammed up that way. And because of that, they're going to have to use Curl, Curtis McElhinney. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't I don't know. It's hard for me to judge a backup goaltender in the first place because number one, you're used to seeing Vassy in there, and and he's the greatest on the planet, right? So anybody who comes in after Vassy, uh, I don't care if he's a starter on another NHL team, is not going to be as good in my mind. So there's that. But then I, I've seen better backup goaltenders on this hockey team, I think. And maybe that's not fair. Well, but. I mean, think of it in football terms, and we've said this. There's not 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. That's so, true. you know, how many good backup quarterbacks are there in the NFL? Not many. You know, there's some young guys that may develop into things, but... You know, well, you got your Marcus Mariotas, yeah. and you know sure, you get some of those. Sure, guys. You, you get a few of those, but I mean, Jameis Winston's. You know, I mean, you, the other part about a backup goalie is you're playing once every ten days. 
Although, isn't it true that with this schedule that he's been playing a little, he'll need he's, to play a little bit more? He's going to going forward. Well, you know, five and seven days this week, he'll play twice this week. Yeah. You know, uh, they didn't even suit up Andre Vasilevsky tonight. He was a healthy scratch. Well, I mean, they were getting on a plane and going to Dallas right. and playing tomorrow. They so. wanted him off his feet, not have to back up, not have to potentially come in, not have to do all that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trying to get him some rest. That's why there was the 4 o'clock game on Monday, so that they could get into Dallas at a reasonable hour because they're in, right. they're in Dallas tonight for game two mm-hmm. of this week. Um, yeah, right. I mean, the schedule's it's a grind. I, look, I don't, I don't think you can put any of these losses on McElhinney. He played great in every game? No. There's some goals he'd like to take back, sure. Um, is he Vasilevsky? Absolutely not, and you know, no one claims him to be. Has the defense in front of him played poorly at times? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know whether that's just because it's the backup, or is it just because they actually play that poorly sometimes? But Vasilevsky covers it up. You know, I, you know, some of it, I would I would agree with that statement. Some, right there. some of it you I, have I to wonder. You know, how much of this is. They're actually not as great defensively as we think they are. I'm not saying they're bad, but that Vasilevsky no, covers up a lot. He covers up a lot of warts and stops yeah, a lot of does. pucks and and yeah, he doesn't does. allow rebounds and things like that. That you know, they can get away with. A, they can take a lot more chances in the offensive zone with their defensemen Absolutely. or pushing or you know trying for a puck because they have Vasilevsky behind them. And when McElhinney's back there, some of those go in that normally wouldn't when Vasilevsky's there. And, you know, when you have the best goalie in the world or one of them, and I don't think that's even a question at this point, you know, I mean, what backup are you going to get that you're not going to complain about? No, that's true. And I, I do think that there is some truth to the fact that, you know, even in those those rare occasions when Vasilevsky gives up three goals and they battle back, he could have – the average goaltender may have given up six or seven. I mean, seriously, there are, they, they may allow three goals – and we've seen them come back from that deficit. But there's probably four other scoring chances that half of those should have gone in on any other goaltender, and he just made great saves. Mm-hmm. And so I do think they, I do think they fall, fall prey to just the reliance on him. It's not so much reliance, it's just confidence, right? You can do those things when you have that guy back there you're so confident in him and he bails you out time and time again. It's just, it's part of your game. It's part of your advantage is that mm-hmm. you can push up and you can do those things. Um, but then I think, I think they develop some bad habits. Um, and, and I don't, I don't think that they play. I don't think they play to protect their goaltender. Even when he, even when it's not Vassy, mm-hmm. you know, um, if that makes any sense. Well, I think and, and some of it, you know, you have to wonder, and I've said this many times, you know Nashville's fighting, trying to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Carolina, Florida's, you know, trying to show where they they fit in, and you know that they're mm-hmm. that they're for real, and they are. They're both very good mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay's going through a regular season with the same team essentially that won the Stanley Cup the year before, and they're already out to such a huge lead that missing the playoffs would be almost unthinkable at this point. I mean, right. tonight's game twenty eight halfway through the season. They have the. Uh, believe the best winning percentage in hockey points percent actually the top 3 points percentage in hockey coming out of the central division right it's tampa bay carolina and florida the top 3 mhm you know those three teams are going to make the playoffs their lead i think the 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 lightning's lead is 12 points with games in hand over the fourth play, the fifth place team in the conference in the division mm-hmm. i mean you know it would take a monumental collapse for this team not to make the playoffs so are they fully engaged for 60 minutes every night 
and I'm not making an excuse, but you know they're not playing for game 28 tonight. They're playing for game 57. And and right. you know there's things they need to work on. And unfortunately, the biggest thing is with this condensed schedule and so many games in such a short time, they get no practice time. Yeah, they're you know they're not going to have practices this week. They'll have some morning skates. But they're not going to have practices to work on rush coverage or the, those things. I mean, they'll do video sessions, but it's not the same as a practice. And, and we've heard, you know, John Cooper's talked about for years. Uh, it was several years ago when they were having some issues defensively, and, and they were in the middle of a long – they were basically gone like the whole month of January, I think, I recall. And, and between the All-Star break and the bye and the road trips and, you know, and he said, we just have no practice time. And, and we, there's things we need to work on that we, we just can't work on. You know, that's yeah. – the one thing that they don't have, but they have the experience, and they have the, they have players like Braden Point, who was all over the ice today. He was everywhere. Victor Hedman made some phenomenal defensive plays. You know, he erases a lot of things too that, defensively. Yeah, he does with his reach. Yeah. You know, his reach and in the way he positions his body, and he doesn't take penalties on those when he's getting back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's so good at that. Eric Chernak has really played well of late. His last few games has he's been all over the ice. Um, you know, you like to see what they're doing. Pat Maroon gets into two fights on Monday. Um, and you know what? Good on him. I, I'm not one. I, you know, this, hey, hey, when we get on the ice, we're going to go fight. I don't, you know. It's like, funny, though. The, the first fight was that way. Him and uh, um, uh, um, Harper, uh, when they got in the fight, you know, it was kind of, you know, skated by each other, let's go. But Maroon, to start the third, just said, I'm going, and he was next to uh, Carrier. He's, you know, he knows he'd fight him, so he went with him. And normally Pat Maroon looks at the visitor's bench when he goes to the, the penalty box after fights. He was looking at his own bench, yeah. saying, let's go. Let's, you know, trying to motivate his team. And they played better in yeah. the third than they did the first they two did. periods. They fired him up, man. Mm-hmm. They were fired up by it. It worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that they got after it. You could see them hitting the sticks on the wall pretty hard there. They were mm-hmm. they were into it. Here's the thing that that we i mean you know here in champa bay <laughs> we're a little bit spoiled as you know steve uh we're used to just seeing trophies and that's mm-hmm. really all we care about yes raising but, banners but in, yeah but yeah raising banners but in truth in truth the worst hockey team in the nhl whoever that team is you got to remember this they don't lose every game they just they're not going to lose every game I think and Buffalo's got, the they, worst team this year right now, and I think they've won 35% of their games, so more than 3-10. Yeah, so, and you know why? Because they got professional hockey players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing is, you can't go out there and win when you play 50, 60, 80, whatever the, the season demands that year. Um, you're just not going to lose them all. And so when you yeah. play these teams, the Lightning had beaten Nashville five straight times. Mm-hmm. And how did you think that felt, by the way, well, to be the Predators? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so you know what? They got them. They, they finally got them at one out of six. You take that against any team in the NHL, really. Yep. And I think that's what Cooper's perspective is. It's like, look, guys, you know, we're not going to win every game. I care about how we play, but I can't control – you know, we don't, we don't control the puck. You know, sometimes you get the bounces and sometimes you don't and things happen. And I got my backup goaltender, and okay, we lost. Let's move on to Dallas. That's the way the professional sports is. And it's just like baseball. It's like – you know, if you you know you can't ride the roller coaster because it's a long season, but um, you know every team in the major leagues is going to win sixty games. They all going to mm-hmm. win sixty games. 
you know, for the most part. It's it's um, teams are going to win. They're going to lose 60. Some too. are going to win 100, some are going to win 60, but you know. That's right. You're going to win 60 and you're going to lose 60. Yeah. It's what happens to the others that matter. Every team's going to win probably 60 or close to it. Every team's going to lose and then the others are the, are the are the difference makers. So we just tend to re- have to remember that sometimes when we watch any given a game. Yeah, and and this um, is we've never seen a season, you know, except back when they had, you know, six teams where you played the same team eight times in a season. You don't do that. Oh, Today it's tough. four. Four is the most yeah. you play anybody, or maybe five. Yeah. You don't play and six. You play them back to back. And, yeah. You know, and, it's, and you know, look, it, there are two months in the season. You've already played Nashville six times. It's crazy. You know, I mean, that, that doesn't happen. And it's, it's, look, it's a weird year, crazy year. You lose one. You know, the, the key to this season is beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Beat the Detroits, the Nashvilles, Dallas, Columbus. But it doesn't mean you're going to go eight and oh. You know, you win six of them, you're fine. You know, if you take you take six out of eight against you know all the teams you're supposed to beat, you're going to be fine. You're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the li- Lightning's winning percentage points percentage is seven forty one. That's third best in the NHL behind Carolina and Florida in their division. For- fourth place in their divisions at five fifty. So you're two hundred points ahead almost. In fifth place, which is the first team that doesn't make the playoffs, is at five hundred Dallas. Mm-hmm. So you're you're, you're t- what two hundred forty one points ahead of points percentage wise. Now, Dallas has a lot of games in hand, so they can make up some points. But still, and you know what? There are forty points. Columbus has twenty. They're eleven points up on Columbus, who's in fifth right now. And and the Lightning have three games in hand. They're going to make the playoffs. It's just it's a lot of this is getting through the season. A lot of it is playing the right way, so that when it comes to the playoffs, you're ready to go. But a bad period, a bad game. Your backup goalie lets in a goal that they shouldn't have. You can't. You have to put it all into perspective over the course of a season. When they won sixty-two games and set all kinds of records, they lost twenty games that season. It wasn't like they were perfect. Wow. I mean, they, they lost what sixteen in regulation and I think four in, in overtime or shootouts. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't perfect. So you know, I mean, the the start they're off to now is the best start in franchise history. That team that won sixty-two didn't even have this kind of start. Oh, I know. It's crazy. You know, know. that team got better as the season went along, which is, you know, one of the things that was so shocking that they went out in four games. And I think a lot of it was Victor Hedman's injury. But yeah, the thing that really matters in in seasons, professional sports is because it's it's always a war of attrition, particularly in hockey, Mm -hmm. right? Baseball, football, too, to some degree. How many guys are still healthy? That's really all that matters. When you get to the end of the season, get to the postseason, are you missing major pieces? Because if you are. It's it's tough luck. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the Green Bay Packers, who you know needed that some offensive alignment in that game again in the championship game. It just it matters, and you know if, as long as the Lightning are playing and the predominant core of their team is healthy and no one's out for an extended period other than Kucherov, who they might get back at a great time near the playoffs, then you know they're going to be a great hockey team. Period. They're going to be the team to beat and. I kind of feel that way about the Bucks next year too. You know, as long as they can keep those guys healthy, they're going to play well enough. They're going to be the team to beat. They're going to win a lot of games because because that's what that's what Tom Brady does. So, you kind of feel that same way uh, about. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, so we got some, uh, some mailbag questions to wrap it up with. Let's uh, get on those. We do. We had several about the free agency, which we already talked about, and who they may sign next. Right. But Joe asks, Rick, let's say Tom is here for at least two more seasons, and the Bucks win another Super Bowl. How much of a value increase do we see in the franchise? Another billion or so? you got to be the expert here. Thanks. Well, let me get out my calculator. Um, I think you know, you get out your fran- checkbook to, you know. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Franchise value is is one of those nebulous things that I've never really completely understood myself. I think, you know, Nowadays, a lot of the franchise value is in the stadium lease, to be honest with you. You know, what what are the revenue streams? If you sold every Sky Suite at this price, if you sold every club suite at that price, uh, do you own the stadium? Do you get other revenue um, from concerts and other things? So there's a lot of stadium value, you know, uh, revenue wrapped up in franchise value because the franchise controls the stadium in many instances or they benefit and they profit from it like like the Bucks do. Um, there's no question that, you know, uh, I guess championships can skew that one way or the other. Although, I mean, it becomes, you know, for example, it's a brand, right? So, so you, you could have a better brand awareness, which helps. Uh, there's no bigger brand in the world in sports than Manchester United, which the Glazers happen to own. Um, the, the the Los Angeles Dodgers, right, are a brand. The New York Yankees, whether they're winning or not, they're such a strong brand that they have they have immense franchise value. And then those those are also franchises located in you know the the number one and two market in 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 the uh, in the sports world. Tampa Bay is not a big market. It's it's getting bigger. Um, you can tell by just the traffic I encounter every day, but um, you know it's not the smallest one. But it's it's still it's still a small market in comparison with a lot of NFL cities like Chicago and Los Angeles and New York. Um, you know Dallas. I mean, there's there's a lot of them that would trump uh, what Tampa Bay is. So I I think it helps. I don't think it's the be all end all um, because everybody knows you can win a Super Bowl and then go 12, 13, 14, maybe never win another one. Um, and some branches still are looking for their first. So I wouldn't get too hung up on the, cha- on the, on the, on the championships. I do think, though, it raises brand awareness and, and you're able to charge more for tickets. If your revenue streams are higher, obviously your revenues are higher, so your franchise value is better. But I've never understood how Forbes and all those guys really calculate all of that to know that this franchise is worth this much and – you know, uh, Jerry World with the Dallas Cowboys is worth that much. It's it's a really, to be honest with you, you know what the franchise is worth? If you decided to sell it, it's worth whatever somebody yep. will pay you Just for. Just like free agency. Yeah, same thing. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And and what, what you may think is a, a $4 billion franchise may sell for six. I mean, you just don't know. I say this all the time. I I'm not looking to sell my house. Somebody can tell me what it's worth but they can't tell you what it's worth to you. You know, I, I know what the market says my house is worth, but if you knocked on my door and offered me that price today, I'm not moving. Now, if you came in here and offered me a quarter of a million dollars more, then I'm, I'm calling Mayflower tomorrow, okay? But that's, that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's really in the eye of the beholder um, and what somebody's willing to pay for it. But, look, I, I haven't looked at, uh, at Forbes lately. 
let's just say this. The Glazers' portfolio with Manchester United and an NFL franchise, they're doing really well. Um, don't worry about them. They're good. And, in fact, and I think this, this may be talked about more as we go along, don't discount what the Glazers have done to keep this team together. And what I mean by that is, you know, for years – uh, they were not a big cash up front team. Uh, they would guarantee contracts, which is different than a signing bonus. You know, a signing bonus, and you can defer some of that money debt to other years, but a signing bonus, you're taking money out of the bank. And a lot of times, franchises operate, you know, when the TV money comes in from the networks to all the NFL teams, they divide it up. That's what they run their business from. You know, that's what they pay their players, that's how they operate. Uh, their employees and all of that, their payroll, all of it. And in this instance, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of players getting signing bonus so that it can, um, you know, spread out their cap numbers, you know, throughout several years of the contract, including some some dummy years, some voidable years. But the Glazers are having to ante up a little bit um, to make all this work. And I think that's what you're going to hear from Bruce Arians and Jason Light is how, how much support they got. Um, because that is not the way they've done business in the past. You know, you want to hold on to as much cash as you can. I would. Um, but in this instance, you're having to pay a lot of it up front because that's the structure of the deal. And so somebody's making some withdrawals over there. Well, they've, uh, and they've done it smartly. They're doing mm-hmm. this in years when you have a shot to win it all. That is correct. They didn't, they that didn't do that kind of business in years where they weren't going to win it all. Correct. When they were trying Correct. to build in this, and they didn't get themselves mm-hmm. into cap trouble in the future and right. dead money ahead and, and that. I mean, the Bucks have never been about that. No. And, and now they're in their window, so now they're willing to use that lever and that, yeah. that uh, option to get contracts and to keep the band together. And it's admirable. And listen, I'm not going to hold a telethon for them. This is not what I'm doing because, uh, quite frankly, uh, they're raising prices on tickets anywhere from 10 to 45%, depending on where you're sitting. So, you know, good for them. They got Tom Brady. They won a Super Bowl. Bad for them. They couldn't get anybody to go to the games because they weren't allowed to, except for maybe 16,000. And good for them. Now they can have a full building, but, you know, God willing, and, and this pandemic goes away. So, you know what? They, they, they deserve, uh, uh, that revenue and you know they'll they'll have monies um you know to give uh signing bonuses and the like because they're profiting from being the Super Bowl champions there somebody asked me this one time like what is a Super Bowl worth well it, it's it's worth what you can charge your customers to be honest with you you know it's worth the merchandise you sell uh which is a shared revenue but nonetheless um you know it it's worth uh uh you know the sky suites the renewals on the season tickets the deposits, all those things that, that franchises need to operate. So it's worth a lot. And then there's the prestige of it all, you know. Um, but I don't know that just winning Super Bowls, you know, takes it through the roof. If you won enough of them, sure. You know, if you, well, you were just no, Yeah, I mean, if no Tom wins another one or two here and you become one of the four or five franchises with that many Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, you're in rare air. New England then. wasn't one of the most valuable franchises before this last no. 20 year run. No, they and were now, terrible. You yeah. know, they're one of the most historic franchises in no doubt. Super Bowl history because they have six championships. And they built an, and and that was a that's a good analogy because Robert Kraft bought the old stadium right mm-hmm. when he took the team in Foxborough, and then because of their success, they bought they built Gillette Stadium, and be, and the combination of that and the brand again, it's all mm-hmm. about the brand. The brand of the Patriots was nothing uh and now robert Kraft has it and even though tom brady's not there and bill belichick one day won't be there 
the brand of that franchise because of the number of trophies in the case really matters. So mm-hmm. it does matter. I just don't I can't put a number on it. All right, we have two questions that asked about this. And apparently on Get Up on Monday, they talked about the Bucks going undefeated. So <laughs> B asked, could this be a milestone that Tom Brady's chance uh, chasing? What is the percent chance that the Bucks run the table and the chances of Brady actually thinking about it? He thinks they're personally low, but you know, some of the greats have strange motivators. Wayne asked, he says he enjoys the show from New England, listens daily to the podcast, and he wants to know if, if you feel the Bucks can go undefeated. He looks at the schedule, sees two tough games at the Rams and at New England, and he said that Super Bowl defense was unbelievable and the gang is back. Can the Bucks go undefeated? Well, can they? Yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna play sixteen or seventeen games. If they won them all, they'd be undefeated. So there there is there is the mathematical possibility. But um, there's been one team that has run the table, uh, and it included the postseason, and that was the Miami Dolphins, and they won seventeen in a row. Um, it hasn't happened since. Tom Brady had a team that was seventeen and zero in the Super Bowl. Nineteen and he is or nineteen and I'm sorry, nineteen and zero in the Super Bowl, and he is one. No, they were David, what, eighteen and I guess they were sixteen and zero. They won the two playoff games. Sixteen, won two playoffs. They were trying yeah, to they be were nineteen. Trying to be nineteen, yeah. But they had not lost in the regular season. They're the only other team besides Miami that that went through the regular season undefeated. Then they were in the Super Bowl, trying for the perfect season, uh, and they were a David Tyree helmet catch away, um, you know, from from accomplishing that. Is it something that Brady thinks about? Uh, he thinks about everything. Okay. Uh, you know, Tom Brady has yet to have the perfect game. He's yet to throw, you know, um, call all the perfect plays. He's yet to throw every ball where he wanted to in a game. And he has yet to win every game. He, he is obsessed and, and singularly focused each week. Uh, and, and I think he's the greatest winner maybe in sports history um, because he just knows how to deliver the W. It's not always about him. It's not always about... Uh, how many yards he throws for, but he knows how to win football games. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, we, we said before the season, hey, here's something that's not been done. You know what? No team has gotten to go to a Super Bowl and win it in their home stadium. Check. He's checking boxes every day. I mean, that's this guy is still carrying around the 199 card where he was drafted. You know, he he doesn't need any help with the shoulder ships. He's got a whole garage full. So, but did you notice I, the I sweatshirt think, he had on when he signed his contract? Yeah, seven. Yeah, with all the Super Bowl numbers on it. Yeah, of course. And he's and he's all he's like the guy on Sesame Street. I think Tom Brady owns all the numbers. You know, I think he's already purchased eight in advance. If you go and you try to copyright eight and see if there's a way that you could do that, Tom Brady's name is going to appear next to eight. So have he's we already nine, ten, and eleven yet? Or well, I think he probably he may have those too. Um, I, I don't know why he wouldn't, but you know, seven is his thing right now. So yeah, I do think. I, I mean, I don't know how. You know, I think he knows it's damn near impossible. It's only been done once, and he came closer than anybody else of, of pulling it off. But uh, he doesn't go into any game thinking he's going to lose. I can promise you that. And. I, I think there's more than those games that you mentioned on the schedule. I think the Rams, um, you know, if they if they get in the postseason with them, is going to be a, is going to be a tough mm-hmm. out. But if you just look at the regular season, Buffalo coming here, mm-hmm. uh, the Bills were in in the AFC Championship game. Uh, New England there is a weird one for me. Like you would think that it's going to be really mixed emotions for him for for the fans at Gillette Stadium. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Cam Newton? You don't think. 
Bill Belichick knows a little something about Tom Brady. You know, as much as he knows about Belichick, mm-hmm. eh, Belichick's got the cheat codes to him too. So I think that's well, going to be a, a tell a me tough when game. that game is played. Is it early in the season? Is it late in the season? Is it? Uh, you know, I'm going to guess it's played early, and I yeah. say that because it's it feels to me like an early Sunday night type game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one because you, it's in Foxborough, so I don't think you want the 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 potential of really bad weather mucking it up. And two, you want to make sure Brady's playing. <laughs> so, so if well, I'm NBC I, and I bid on that game, I want to play early. You know what I was earlier? Thinking, I was thinking for that game. That could be Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving night in November, maybe. I'm just it's a Brady against It'd be his a whole team. Bonanza. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is is you know they but like it's a they short usu- week. They usually you, like you want them to travel. On I'm a not short saying weekend. I'm not saying I want it. I'm saying NBC going. You know when they when they oh anybody when, wants it when yeah. they negotiate these contracts and, and and the schedules with the NFL is what game do I want on Thanksgiving night? You mm-hmm. know normally they get like a Pittsburgh Baltimore or you know big rivalries mm-hmm. and things, but you know I, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Then. I'm not saying I would want it then. I'm just saying mm. I could see that possibility in the NFL. Yeah, going, there's no hey, question. Yeah, it's going to be a marquee game. It's going to be as big a marquee game as they can manufacture. You know, I've thought about this too. Like, if it weren't on the road, that would have been the perfect one, right? To to open the season with, you know, <laughs> that would Tampa have been. Bay again on a Thursday night. You know, like Tampa Bay. <laughs> Belichick could they would do be it? so ticked. <laughs> could they do it to him again though? Could they? You know, when the Bucks won mm-hmm. in two thousand and two, put him on the road to open. The next, the next, we went to the owners' meeting in Arizona, and Gruden. I, if you ever thought you saw steam coming out of his ears it was that day when they handed the nationally televised games out and they had shut down the vet and Gruden saw that they were going to open the Lincoln financial field he was just beside himself you know he's he was you gotta be kidding me man are you kidding me we gotta we're the world champions man we gotta go to you know he was oh he was so mad it's the words I can't say but but wouldn't that be something if they did it again to them? I, I say, don't yeah, think they you know would. what? You know what? I don't care. They're world champions. Let's hey, at Gillette Stadium Thursday night kick off the season. Come on, man, let's do it. You know, and it would be it would be an ah uh, oh no to uh, to Tom Brady, but uh, I don't see it either. I think they're probably they're more likely to play. If you're just looking for a great opponent at home, how about the Buffalo Bills? Thursday night football to open the season. That would not disappoint, I don't think. No. Two championship teams, two teams in the conference championship a year ago? Yep. It would be awesome. Yep. All right, a couple more quick questions as yep. uh, we've got kind of gone long here. So, Randall yeah, yeah. asks, I see Drew Rosenhaus representing a ton of players across the league. How does he juggle all those clients, and how much is he making on those contracts being signed? Is this real-life ballers? It is. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus is one of the top agents you know, in the world has been for years. Uh, he and his brother Jason primarily are the two that, that do it. And uh, I don't know what he makes. There was a time when agents would make 3% on a rookie contract. It's probably closer to 1% now. Uh, for free agents, it's probably more. I don't know how much more. But I saw. I think I saw a figure by the end of, of Monday, he had negotiated $250 million worth of contracts. Just him, just the Rosen, just 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 Drew and his company, two hundred and fifty million dollars in one day of free agency. So it's well, going to be a merry Christmas. If you take one percent of that, that's what two point five mil. Yeah, right. Not bad for a day's work. 
You know, oh, so if you're getting two day, or three percent, depending on what you're getting, you know, it could be five to yeah. seven and a half mil. You just raked in. Yeah, it's okay. It's not bad. It's good money. Yeah. Now, he's worked his butt off to get those clients now. Oh, and uh, and, and so you know you got to keep them happy. What usually happens is there's there's very little money. There used to be money in the rookies because they didn't have a rookie salary pool. So if yep. you had a quarterback in the first round or whatever, you oh. know, they, they that's when they would get that fifty, sixty million dollar signing bonus, and you'd be like, I'm good. And it was three percent. And then when they went to the rookie salary pool and the money got shrunk, that's when you could only get you know three percent or one whatever it is on a rookie contract. So a lot of times what happens is these rookies will have you know these agents will fight like hell for the rookies and they'll get them. And then after four years, uh, if they're not a first-round pick or, or maybe five if they are, then the, the player is getting ready for his big free agent, big payday, and he may look around and go, you know what, I'm going to get a new agent. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, I had you through the entire rookie deal, and now that you're ready for the big payday, you're going to dump me. And, um, and Rosenhaus has picked up a few of those guys that way. So, uh, yeah, it drew uh, – not that I've talked to him personally for some time, unfortunately, he – According to my sources, according to Rosenhaus, who only called me about every deal in the NFL, that's why I'm the best. Um, Drew doesn't call a lot of the local guys. He calls Rappaport, or sends him texts or whatever. I don't know if he calls anybody. But um, but I did not get that text when Shaq Barrett signed, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, but Drew takes care of those guys. And, you know, good for him. He's had, uh, he's had a hell of a first day, I can tell you that. All right, go Snarfast. Suspend disbelief. Hugh Culverhouse is still the owner of the Bucks. Where are they and what success? Wow. Well, um, I'm trying to be politically correct here. <laughs> Where are they? They're not in Tampa. Uh, he probably would have moved the franchise at some point simply because no one would have come to the games because he had such a bad product and they would have been forced to leave. And no one would have cared if they left town. I really believe that. I, I think, and people will never quite understand this because I know there's those, there's people out there that think the Glazers aren't very good owners, and that's fine. You can look at their track record in twelve, you know, twelve seasons, no playoffs, what have you, folks. I'm here to tell you it was a different it was a different NFL back then, and uh, you didn't have to spend money, not even a dime on players. And by gosh, Hugh Culverhouse was not going to do that. Uh, you know, he had the lowest payroll. It was not an accident. And, you know, it's unfortunate. And they and they went through some, some really awful times. They did manage to win. You know, he hired John McKay, who drafted Leroy Selman, who draft who drafted Doug Williams. I mean, there wasn't it wasn't all bad. It got good really early after the 0 twenty six and then it got really bad for a long time. And I think it was gonna stay that way, uh, had it been with, with uh that, that family and Hugh Hugh Senior in particular. I don't know what you know, at this point, uh, Hugh's daughter, uh, uh, Gay, uh, is deceased, and um, he had a son, Hugh Jr., who's an attorney in Miami, who actually, I thought, knew a lot about, you know, understood a lot about the game and had a vision, but his dad never really let him run the business, and it just wasn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, uh, may he rest in peace. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to trample on the Culver House uh, legacy, but uh, he did bring a team here. He did buy uh or did was awarded the the expansion franchise so you have to give him that without it's sort of like Vince Namoli I think people kick him around a lot but you know what he he was able to bring baseball to Tampa Bay and and you know no one else did so I think you have to give Culver House that part but 
Yeah, I, I think the Glazers, for all their mistakes, and they've made a ton of them, and they'll make more, um, I've always felt like they wanted to win. I've always felt like they wanted a first-class organization. I've always felt like it's an inclusive one. You see uh, with Darcy and, and, and the, the diversity that they have in their coaching staff and their front office all the way through their organization. I think that's important to them. They do a lot of really, really good things. And they're not going to get credit for it, and that's fine. But you know what? They're enjoying the spoils right now because they got another Lombardi. All right, we've got a couple of baseball questions we'll wrap this up with. Jerry asked, how soon could we see Wander Franco in the big leagues this year? Well, I got the bad news from you today, Steve, and I'm not sure how, I, how I'm supposed to react to it, but uh, Wander has been sent down to the minors. So the reason being, yeah, the reason being is that it's time to pare down how many guys are in camp so that the regulars and the guys they're going to start the season with can get more at-bats and, and be ready for the regular season now that we're just over two weeks away from that. So, you know, this is the natural time when they would start sending guys back down to the minors and, and to, you know, now in this case, AAA is not starting till at least May. So you're actually staying in camp, but you're not part of the major league roster. You're on the minor league roster at this point. So. Could he go to Double A? Are they starting earlier or no? Um, I don't. I think they're all going to start around the same time now that baseball is controlling everything. So he'll just be hanging out at uh, Port Charlotte. Uh, yep, and I think he squad. will start at Double A this year. I think that's where he will be yeah. starting. But okay, I mean, he was in single. A I don't know, man. Two years ago, you know me, and I. I uh, look far be it for me to tell the Rays their business. They did okay with Evan Longoria and some other young players. Um, I think the guy looks like a superstar i don't i it's just that he got hurt by last year because mm-hmm. he didn't get to play any any baseball and that really i think that's a, a tragedy because maybe he would have started at triple a and been here in, by june or or sooner or maybe even had a chance to make the the opening day roster i don't know but the fact that he hasn't played um you can't fault them for saying hey let's mm-hmm. let's get this guy some at bats and some some game yeah, time they sent him down to the dominican you know. league over the winter except at five games in he got hurt and so they right. sent him you know so he really Shut hasn't played baseball in a year and a half as far as yeah, you know, games and that so yeah and and, you, and look you've got a team that won 96 games last year went to the world series took the dodgers to six games mhm you know it's not like your roster has got a bunch of scrubs on it no, you've got a, no. a tough row. So when he gets up to the big leagues, I think it's going to depend on his play and and how well he does as he moves up. Presumably starting in Double A this year, and you would expect him to get to Triple A quickly if he's doing well. How does he do there? And then you know what happens with the big league team? Are some of the guys right. not hitting? What injuries happen? You know, look, the Rays are in it to win a World Series again this year. You mm-hmm. know, they you know they're not. This is not a team that's just building. They believe they can get back to the World Series and win it this year. So if he can help, he will be up here. But you know, he's not going to start the season here because they've got enough guys for one. And two, you've got to get him some regular game action to get him back to make sure he's ready. Right. They're, they're, this was impossible to do. But, boy, you know, they got into such a funk swinging the bats last year in the World Series that I swear to you, that they would have been helped by Wander Franco's bat <laughs> if they did. Seriously, like how much worse could you do? I mean, he they had some guys that were just in an absolute funk. You know, Meadows. Uh, I, you know, you're not going to say Brendan Lau, but yeah. But I mean, there were some dudes up there that just weren't going to swing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I swear to you, 
if they could have brought that kid, even at 19 or whatever he was off the bench, he'd have had a better shot at doing something with the bat than what they had up there. But it wasn't to be. So, Our final question comes from Craig in Vegas, and he says, I know it's early, but some of the strikeout ratios for Rays hitters is the same as last season, like Zanino and Lau. Can guys really change the ratio, or is that what the game is now? You can fix that. I mean, you know, I just there's an approach now, though, I think that is sort of ingrained in baseball. It's the biggest change in the game is that guys are trying to launch. They're trying to hit the ball in the air because statistically it shows you you have a much better chance of uh, of getting a hold of one and getting it in the gaps or or getting a hit if 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 you can if you can lift the ball. So, um, and they're not cutting back. You know, the strikeout is no longer a bad thing in baseball. You know, what a bad thing in baseball is is a ground ball double play. Um, so they, they don't they don't mind strikeouts. Uh, you know, we used to, you know, in my day, I'm going to be the old guy now, get off my lawn guy, but um, it used to be when you got two strikes, you, you protected the plate and just tried to make contact because you felt like, hey, it, I'm, I'm going to at least make the infield or the outfield make a play on me and put the ball in play and see what happens, put pressure on the defense. Nowadays, it's like, screw that. I'm going to try to – if it's two strikes, I'm going to swing as hard as I can and hope I hit it. And if I do, you know, uh, I got the same chance as, as ball one of hitting it out of here. So that's that's the biggest change of the approach. It's the velocity off the bat. It's the velocity of the arms, the consistent power arms that you see coming out of the bullpen. Guys hitting the ball, you know, 120 miles an hour off the bat. I've never seen anything like it. It's not a game I'm familiar with, to be honest with you. Um, I think they're going to end up changing some rules. You know, they're going to try some things in the minor leagues we haven't talked about where all the infielders have to have their feet on the dirt and and things like this, which will maybe, you know, they're hoping put more balls in play. Um, but I don't know that, that guys, even in that situation, are going to go away from trying to hit home runs. Because I think they know that's that's what the game has become, and that's that's how you score, and that's how you get paid. And chicks dig the long ball, so I, I think I think that the 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 toothpaste is out of the tube, or whatever you want to say. I don't see us going back there. Um, so uh, changing approaches and things like that, I I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be what it is. All right, thanks for your mailbag questions. Those were really good ones. We'll continue to follow uh, free agency, of course, as we go along. Oh, one thing before we leave, USF women's basketball team. Hey, pick up your copy of We Got Hammered Again by the Tournament Committee. Wow. This is, this is an eighth seed? Are you kidding me? They lost, they lost three games, I think, all season? Yeah, they lost to, I believe, Baylor early in the season. It was like number two in the country. Right, they lost to UCF, UCF who, on the final day. Yeah, the final day, who was second seed in their conference after they had clinched the regular yep. season title, mm-hmm. and they lost one other game. They played a really bad. I think it was against Houston, who was like third in the conference. Right, and for that, your reward for Jose Fernandez is a, is like a sixth seed, eight it's seed. Just ridiculous. No, they got an eight, eight seed. Eight, no, an eight seed. You've been happy to have a facing seed. Washington State, and which means they got to face number one seed NC State if they advance past the first. That game. is just so rotten. That's rotten to the quest. No respect at all, man. I feel for I feel for Jose Fernandez, and he he should stand on on top of the whatever they call that dome over there and scream. Um, you know, I you have a year like that. Like no other, you went, you won the regular season conference championship and the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. You won them both, and I know UConn's not in the. I get it; they're not in the AAC anymore. So what? Okay, they're conference champions, they're regular season champions, they're uh, tournament champions. 
how do you get an eight seed out of that? I just I well, and, and not only that, but they played Mississippi State early in the year, who was like fourth or fifth in the country, and beat them. I mean, they yeah, beat a, beat t- they, a they ranked team in their non-conference. They didn't like play cream puffs. No. They played good teams. They want Jose Fernandez likes to play the best teams because he wants to see where his team is, and, his and that's team, how you yeah. get better too. Even if you lose yeah. those games, you get better by playing those games. Absolutely, and and they did get better, and they got better as the year went on, and they were playing. You know, you said, "What does the committee think about?" Well, how are they playing? Well, they're playing pretty damn good. You know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> they haven't really lost many games, three all year, and they won their tournament. So I don't know what they have to do. <clears throat> um, it's unfortunate, but they'll just have to go out there and upset some teams early, I guess. Um, maybe this will fire them up, but it it's just it's it's unfortunate. It's it's sad, really, for them. But anyway, uh, we'll, t- we'll I'm sure we'll talk more uh, about USF as uh, as we get into March Madness and all of that uh, on the women's side. But uh, let's see, we've got we got the Bucks in free agency. Follow us on TampaBay.com for that, and then um, you know we'll probably have. I would imagine we'll run into Tom Jones a time or two, maybe this week. So uh, probably have him on the podcast as well. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 